You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number 71, March 28th, 2023. This show is powered by Constrata.io. Leading with operations, solving with technology. Hey guys, this is Kevin Zha, co-founder of Food Fighters Universe and Bored and Hungry, and I'm with Skip on the Tech Chef Podcast. Off-premise strategy, business continuity, how about a taste test of restaurant technology, drive-through or curbside, mobile apps or AI, it's all on the menu, cooking up for the day, it's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with a tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Well, look at all of you. I am so glad to have you back for another episode in the technology kitchen where things are just starting to heat up. We are excited for you to join us on another installment of The Tech Chef. This is your host, Skip Kimple. And it is always an honor to have you on board as we serve up fresh insight on hospitality and food service technology, as well as strategy. Whether you're a first-time listener or a loyal regular, we promise to whip up a delectable feast of knowledge that will help your organization thrive. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on our tantalizing episodes. We are thrilled to have you here with us today. Now let's get cooking. This episode, I have another special guest that I recorded while I was at Mertec recently. Kevin Saw and I had the opportunity to present a fire chat on Metaverse 101 at the Mertec conference this year. I thought it only fair to sit down with him and record one-on-one for all of you our thoughts on this matter and share it here on the show. Kevin is truly a superstar in this space. He started in Fortune 500, leaving to side hustling through e-commerce and into startups, always being the loudest brand voice in the room. Kevin left his corporate white picket fence dream to chase something bigger than himself. Focusing on community building and innovation, he teamed up with a couple of partners to create Bored and Hungry, Food Fighters Universe, and Secret Sauce Society. Kevin is determined to create amazing memories for communities through branded concepts, food experiences, and building unforgettable life-changing technology. You will quickly realize while Kevin is the chief megaphone and co-founder for these companies and why he is always the loudest voice in the room. I love his infectious laugh and I hope you enjoy this time I spent with him. Look who's on the show, Kevin Saw. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's a nice day in Las Vegas. Las Vegas. That's right. We were recording here from uh, the Mertex show. Yes. We had a great presentation yesterday. It was so much fun. And I thought that for those of you that weren't able to actually attend Mertech or see this presentation, maybe we do a little recap in regards to what the metaverse is. And that's what today's episode is going to be about, kind of metaverse 101. We're not going to get too deep into you know, the, the complexities of everything and Web3, like I do on some of my other episodes. Uh, we're going to keep it a little bit light so people have a better understanding of what the metaverse is and the potential of, of what it can do. So Kevin, go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, Bored and Hungry. I, I'm not too sure how many of my listeners 
know anything about what you do or what Bored and Hungry is, but I, I would love for you to explain to the audience what an NFT-only restaurant is. Yeah, so I'm going to first start with Bored and Hungry is a delicious smash burger restaurant. <laughs> it's a place where you can get that very simple, delicious burger. But besides it being a uh, burger shop on the corner, it is the first NFT restaurant that hit uh, a, it actually went viral. And from there, uh, we became kind of like a global sensation in that front. So when you say global sensation, how big are we talking? Well, uh, within, 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 I think, a year of the company's existence, or even before we hit a year, uh, we're now in the Philippines and we're constructing away in South Korea. Wow. How many actually locations are being run through the this marketplace yeah so right now we have one in long beach california we have some fun pop-ups coming soon that i can't talk about yet and um we have i always have stuff i can't talk about for some reason well hopefully that means we can have you on a future <laughs> yeah, episode yeah i know I'm, I'm always saying that i just realized <laughs> uh but uh we have uh the philippines uh the grid power plant uh it's called power plant mall it's at the grid food court in manila makati right now um, there's two more locations coming that we haven't announced yet, so we're very excited for that in, in Manila. And we have one coming in the Apgujung area in South Korea. Uh, again, that is uh, not exactly slated yet but uh, because construction is taking a little bit longer, but we will be announcing it very, very soon. Now, I'm sure a lot of the audience is wondering, okay, why are you guys talking about the Metaverse 101? Why, what, what's the reason you're doing this? And Specifically for the audience, we really want to relate this to how it relates to the restaurant industry. And I think customer interaction with restaurants is changing. And I think Web3 technology uh, is at the forefront of that change. And with the rise of NFTs, for instance, and the metaverse, restaurants are starting to think about how they can use these new technologies to their advantage, uh, leading you know to more interactive experience and engaging the dining experience for the guests. So. I think it's important. Maybe you can start off by defining what you think the metaverse is. Yes. Um, whenever it comes to all these new terms like Web3, metaverse, NFTs, all these scary words, this inside baseball that you know we feel like, what's going on? What are these words? Why are they talking about it? Definitely, even for me, when I first got into this space, I was very, um, I wasn't, I didn't like the fact that there was all these, this jargon that I didn't understand and it made me, made me feel like, hey, I'm not part of the cool club or whatnot. But so I wanted to redefine some of the things. So for me, metaverse just means uh, it's a different marketplace. You could use the term community. Uh, we throw the word community a lot um, in this, um, you know, in the industry of Web3 and metaverse. We use the term community a lot in brands and things like that. When I think of metaverse, it just is a digital marketplace. It's a digital community that um, also has all the bells and whistles of a regular community, but just online. And I'm always asked, why does this matter to the restaurants? And restaurants tend to be a little bit behind on adoption of technology. As a matter of fact, a lot of my cohorts out there on the floor come up to me and say, listen, you're talking about all of this technology. We can't even figure out how to you know, properly process a credit, uh, secure credit card transaction, let alone all of these Web3 technologies that you're talking about. I like to look outside of our industry. I like to look to see what retail is doing, 
what the medical field is doing, what uh, the educational market is doing. They're spending tons of money to get to a point uh, of using and utilizing this technologies, uh, especially in retail. Retail is a very, very good indicator. I went to the NRF show and there was a ton of Web3 technologies that were being implemented um, from a retail perspective. But I also think if you take a deeper look at the industry, at the restaurant industry itself, you're starting to see these major players out there like Wendy's and Chipotle and McDonald's and Burger King and Panera and Hooters and Yum Brands. And, I mean, you name it. They might not be playing in the space actively right now, but every single one of these companies have reserved a presence in the metaverse in some way, shape or form. Now, what does that mean, reserved a presence? You can actually buy real estate, believe it or not, in the metaverse. And I, I thought it was going to be clever a couple of months ago and buy some real estate in Decentraland for my wife's art gallery until I found out how much a plot of land cost. And I was blown away at the amount of money that they're getting for these this property in the metaverse. So these large organizations have spent time, money, resources, legal, to actually research it and make the investment. So while they're not using it today, they realize they are going to someday need to be in this space. So they've already reserved their spot. And I think that is extremely important and a very good indicator of, you know, if you're listening to the show and you feel like oh, this is completely not for me today, keep your mind open because it's something you need to watch because you might need to be in it sooner than you think. Would you agree with that? Oh, I absolutely agree. Um, when we look around today, online communities exist. They just do. And there's so many of them. And I, I guess, like, one of the easiest things to think about is honestly the gaming community. I mean, that's an online community. There's millions of people uh, in gaming that build their lives around it. And they're a community that also loves the same things that we love. And the reason why we come back to the, the industry of food and beverage and why I think the restaurant industry should pay attention to this is community is what we do like we understand what it means to bring people together through amazing food and an amazing dining experience this has been like this for thousands and thousands of years you meet around food and so for me for the food and bev uh, industry not to focus on this is kind of nuts because <laughs> yeah. we need to care about where the communities are yeah yeah absolutely and it's also important to point out you know there is no one metaverse out there the metaverse, yes. there's multiple metaverses. As a matter of fact, someday I'm pretty sure that there is going to be a restaurant-based metaverse in some way, shape, or form. Most people are probably familiar with, for instance, um, the more consumer type of metaverse like uh, Mark Zuckerberg's Meta, Meta Horizons, uh, where you can go and you can chat. And if you've experienced that, you're probably sitting back going, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense for a, a brand to be want to be part of something like that. What's What's the point of just having like the Wendy's verse is a great example where Wendy's has built these three different lands that you can go to and you can play. Uh, it's all Wendy's themed, but you can't actually transact with anything. I mean, does that make even make sense to you to be able to, to uh, play around in a brand's environment without being able to transact? You know, I think right now, because again, it's early. So I just think it's great that brands are taking the time to create opportunities of engagement where, hey, you know, I'm a community member that loves a brand. How do I engage more? So it's nice that there's ways to do that. I think that's a, a great thing that they're doing. Now, let's talk about 
lost opportunities. I mean, one, like, yes, of course it's ridiculous. There's nothing to transact on there. But here's something even more interesting. Like, for example, QR codes. I was, I'm not going to name the restaurant. I was at a restaurant <laughs> yesterday. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, somewhere in Vegas. But uh, they had QR codes on the table, just like, you know, many restaurants I've been to. And what drives me nuts is when you scan the QR code and it goes to a PDF of a menu. And the reason why that drives me nuts is missed opportunity. That QR code should just go right to the menu and let me order. It's funny you mentioned that because there's a, I had a podcast that dropped this morning. <laughs> and th- the gentleman from Bar Taco said the same exact thing. Well, it's, it's bonkers to me because there you go. Lost opportunity. There's also brand engagement, meaning... They don't know what they really want to order. If you have 40 things on your menu, 12 things on your menu, why not help lead the customer why they came to your restaurant in the first place, which is the top five selling things on the menu? Right. Why not? That way, ease of choice, better service, faster food, enjoyment of everything else. And you get to jump right into your conversation without thinking of what to eat. Like, already, like... Within one QR code, the missed opportunities is crazy. And just like we were talking about the Wendy's metaverse, currently today there's metaverses that exist that don't have any of these transactions yet that will be very helpful both ways with the food and beverage industry. So while I think that's the future, I really believe that is the transactional piece that is going to prove the ROI of why a company should do it. However... Just think about right now what Wendy's is doing from a marketing perspective. They are engaging an entire group of people that oh, are, yeah, that are becoming sure. super fans. First of all, they're probably not even there unless they are a super fan. But now they've got these people uh, playing games in an environment with other groups of people. And they've created this whole new realm of engagement. I mean, don't you think that's, that's worth something right there? No, absolutely. Because, again, uh, if brands... The more opportunities brands give for engagement of their audience, they'll be shocked at how many audience members want to engage. They want to get to do more stuff with the brand that they enjoy. And Wendy's has definitely done a great job on the marketing front of engaging community, especially through the very famous, uh, you know, the Twitter dialogues that's out there. Yes. And uh, that's kind of how I feel. It, they, they really started embracing that. And... From that, they're having more engagement opportunities, and I think it's really, really smart, and more brands should be opening up their eyes to that. Yeah, You know, Kevin, it's interesting. As I was doing some research for our presentation yesterday, everybody thinks the metaverse just happened during COVID. How long ago do you think the metaverse was created? Oh, it's uh, just from what I learned <laughs> All right, so you- <laughs> through, through our conversations <laughs> a long, long time ago. <laughs> well, so 1992, it actually was coined in a, in a science fiction novel, but the technology actually goes back to like 1838 or something like that. Uh, and I'm sure it, as I describe it, you'll all understand what I'm talking about. If you've been in, in, into any antique store, the stereograph was kind of like the, the beginning of the what the VR world is today, where you you put this little uh, wooden box over your eyes and you put two slides in and you're tricking your brain, but what you're doing is you're creating a 3D image. That same principle is used today in in the VR world and the augmented reality world to create this environment. So it's interesting that the technology really goes back, you know, to the 1800s, which is, that's pretty amazing. And actually some of the first 
simulated VR devices uh, were made for the military. And I think that goes back in the 1950s where they actually created uh, like a tank simulator. And the first flight simulator, I believe, was like in 1957 or 58 like that. So it's not new because, well, first of all, I'm going down a path without describing what I think people believe the metaverse to be. And that is a complete immersed environment, having goggles on. Um, and that's everybody thinks, well, nobody's going to buy all these goggles. That's not what, you know, it's not realistic. The metaverse has become much more than that. For instance, Roblox, you can play it on your phone. You can engage on a, on a browser. I want you to talk, talk a little bit about Roblox because you have had a recent success story with Roblox as well. Yeah, so um, last year we got to do this awesome campaign with Gravity Road and McCain uh, Potatoes. And it, we, it, it was amazing. I mean, the way it all came together, um, first it started with let, how do we educate the Gen Alpha community and the Gen Z community on regenerative agriculture. I mean, just, just that sentence alone <laughs> sounds like, whoa, right? And however, um, uh, the team that we met over again at Gravity Road, they had all these ideas, we had all these ideas. We just kept going back and forth. And for us, we wanted to bring that real life experience of the community, which we do well with food. We're like, hey, why don't we build out uh, a French fry concept? And we'll throw in um, a collaboration with Born and Hungry, which we already have a lot of the younger audience, and let's do something crazy. And as we were talking through this, this is where Roblox came up. And there was an opportunity with Livetopia to create an experience within the game. And, you know, like we, we all don't know, like, you know, what this is going to be and like, you know, how impactful this could be. But this is what really blew my mind is that, again, you know, we've done events like this before. We've done big conventions and whatnot. You impact like 10,000, 20,000, maybe 100,000 people in real life. And with social media, maybe uh, your reach goes out to a million because of all the views and the social impressions and all those things. Sure. Like th those are the numbers that we're used to. Within days, or within a day, I, I, I'm trying to remember what it was, but within days, we were hitting numbers of 4 million unique uh, visitors that exposed the brands uh, to all of these uh, for Gen Alpha on Roblox. And not only did it, were they just viewing them, because it's not an impression, they farmed 12 million potatoes and turned them into fries. I mean, that... Now that is amazing. That that it that truly shows uh, that this generation is different. It is, and think uh, just the fact that they took time to play the game, expose themselves to the brand, and created something that is brand engagement. That's like gnarly. All right, can you please describe for the audience what? Gen Alpha is. Yes, 12 and under. <laughs> so that's a simple definition. That's a simple definition is Gen Alpha is 12 and under. Um, and and it's like the tail end of Gen Z. I mean, they just have these cutoffs and numbers, but I really think it's this movement of youth generation that was, they were just born on screens, right? They had screens yeah. all over them. They had technology all over them. They have a, they have a smartphone that, that can do literally anything uh, and they get handed that to them in those early years. They get to be exposed to video games where they could create anything in their imagination through these games, through Roblox, Minecraft, and have open world interactions on larger platforms or play like mass community games like Fortnite. Like 
that's crazy to me. And there's so many people, millions of people, and I was telling the statistic, over 530 million people uh, in the gaming industry, in the esports e industry. That's how many viewers that they're getting just uh, year on year, wow. which is nuts, you know? So there's just a lot going on. There's a lot going on, but that's Gen Alpha. So I'm gonna have you describe the terminology for esports, because I bet you there's some listeners that do not understand what that is. Oh yeah, esports is just gaming. Just the whole idea of online gaming, where they're streaming their gameplay, where they're having tournaments, they have teams around gameplay, and uh, it's professional gaming, where it's it's called esports today, and they have these tournaments that prize out in the millions, and they have professional teams with with salaried members that uh, that literally practice to get better and better, and they compete on a global scare, uh, scale in viewership against regular sports, and they get more viewers. Wow. And, and obviously, they're making money off this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like billions of dollars, yes. You know, we were just talking about Roblox a second ago, and probably my first introduction to Roblox was when Chipotle did a big campaign. This is actually a couple of years ago when they were doing the burrito roller. Um, you could actually go in, and you could roll your own burrito, and then you could take that in and actually um, redeem it for a burrito. But this last year for Halloween, Chipotle created a virtual restaurant on, uh, inside of the game uh, where you could actually, I think they gave away $1 million in burritos. So all you need to do is go in, you had to interact, and then you could actually go in and redeem uh, this, this thing for, uh, for a, a free burrito. Dave and Buster's, I, I saw announced recently, has entered the Roblox metaverse where you're going to be able to go in and actually play arcade games. I think that's brilliant. I, I'm not quite sure the full translation of how that's going to um, maybe interact with their real world environment. But I think the power of that is, you know, from a branding level, from an engagement level, I don't understand why brands aren't exploring this world more. Do you think there's a valid reason why a brand out there should not be looking at this? To answer very truthfully, I think, of course, like as someone that leans towards, you know, being a marketer, I think everybody should definitely look at it. However, um, there are smaller mom and pops throughout the nation that um, things like, oh, you know, there's no way I can engage in this audience. Well, I mean, I understand why they might think so. Uh, however, if they, it will be tougher for them, which understanding because there's a larger learning curve, but it's not impossible. Even for a one-shop one operation, it's not impossible to bring that type of fandom to your store. So the, my answer is everybody should look at it, but it can be hard for some, but it's not impossible. Yeah. And I think, you know, getting off the subject just a little bit, but my listeners that have been me, with me for a while have heard me talk about Menche's Brothers, uh, which is a small mom and pop operation out of Ohio that launched an NFT project and had an NFT minting party uh, for this three chain, small, tiny little hamburger joint. Now they were the inventors of the hamburger, it's been documented, so that was kind of their their angle in order to push this thing out. But all they did is re return NFT to, from non-fungible token into a digital loyalty, loyalty program. So. They created utility around it, and utility, my audience hopefully knows about that because I've talked about that in great detail in the past. Uh, the utility based around the NFT was 
a, a discount. You get 10% off of your meal every time you come in. If, you sh- if you're an NFT uh, holder and you show your server your NFT, and you also get access to a secret menu. But utility can also change over time. You can, you know, there's no static aspect to a utility. You could say next year you're going to be entered into a, 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 a raffle to go to a free Ohio State game, for instance, or a free tailgate party. So that's the beautiful thing about NFTs. And all of this stuff is all marketing related. And I think that's something that companies struggle with because I don't know if the marketing departments are sophisticated enough to dig into some of this technology. As IT professionals, absolutely, it intrigues us. I know I'm intrigued and I go down the path pretty heavily, but your average marketing person, I don't know if if they're actively out there researching what all this technology is and how it can be applied to their brand. Thoughts on that? Well, yeah, my thoughts on that is is um, there are the marketing companies out there they're starting to become more, I mean, the marketing companies are definitely aware and they're starting to get a lot more invested in the technology because of uh, where it's going, how it affects brands, how it creates, you know, a brand immersion. Um, but you're right. Within the internal departments, it is hard because they're they're already juggling quite a bit um, and things change really, really quickly out here. And again, that's why Gen Alpha, Gen Z, it all matters because where is your audience? Ultimately, you got to go to them. You got to bring them, the people that don't know about your brand, you got to bring them in. And we've seen marketing change over time. We've seen the ad space change over time. We've seen where ads go over time, right? And so today, um, that always has to evolve. And so as hopefully as good marketers out there, they'll continue to learn and continue to grow. The projected value of the metaverse by 2024 is going to reach over $800 billion. Now, as I've done my research, hardly any of this is being applied towards the restaurant industry itself. It's in, it exists in other industries. I think there is such an untapped resource within the hospitality industry that whoever taps into it and really takes advantage of it is going to be very, very successful and very wealthy if they do it right. Um, is it here forever? Uh, we don't know. Is the... Me- is the metaverse today what it was six months ago? I don't think so. Is it going to change in another six months? Could very well be. That's just the realism of technology. I mean, it changes from day to day, and that's why you really need to stay on top of things. Kevin, unfortunately, our time is almost up. But I want to get your last thoughts in regards to, you know, where do you think the world of the metaverse is heading? One one of the best things that I did when I first got exposed to all this new technology was I wanted to know where it affected the things that, you know, my community, what I was working on, what our team was working on, how does it affect me um, in what areas? In that way, it helped me understand. And so for, for us as restaurateurs, as guys in marketing, uh, we saw the opportunity uh, through non-fungible tokens or digital collectibles. Um, we found this opportunity to build a brand and to serve an underserved community, which was the Web3 community. And that's where we did that. And then we wanted to ser- not only serve the community, but be technology forward. And we wanted it to make sense. Uh, we released a collection. We, that's what Food Fighters Universe was. And we were just giving out free food for anyone that bought it. Simple. So what we were trying to create was utility, use case, 
a real life physical digital connection, which we always say fidgetal, right? That's the coin term <laughs> now. So having this fidgetal experience, what does that look like and why it matters? Like smell a vision, right? Like why, why does that matter? How do we, uh, you know, why is that much immersion important? You know, those types of things is what we started to explore and creating that digital digital experience that made us even like open our eyes and realizing how far we can go with that and how much the market wants it, how much this new generation wants it. The virality of the experience we had with, uh, McCain, with McCain, Gravity Road and the Regen Fries campaign with Bored and Hungry opened my eyes to how like, like in the real life experience at the university in Toronto, Canada, uh, it went viral on Reddit communities for them to come out and get these new fries. That's an online community. Wow. That being coincided, there's a Roblox experience. Online community. Go get some fries. Real life product. So it just really brought the circle together and made this impact that the world really hasn't seen before. And we got to see something that, okay, they're going to remember this for like years. And that was a very, very cool experience. And that's where, where I think that again, like it's, I know it seems like this monstrous task to learn, uh, like all these new things, uh, when it comes to metaverse NFTs, oh my God. But if, if you just take a step back and again, focus on how does this affect what I do today? Where can I learn to do it and learn about it in the way I would use it? These are the things that will start to make more sense and the, the slow onion layers will start peeling back. Yeah. My new takeaway from the show is fidgetal. I love that word. <laughs> Nice. Thank you for introducing that to me. Yeah. Kevin, thanks for coming on. We got to get back out there and start networking. The yeah. Events going on and here we are just sitting in this quiet room. That's it's about 300 seats in here and we're the only ones in here. <laughs> we're, we're our best audience, I guess. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed the other day with you on stage, but certainly appreciate you coming on the show as well. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks, Kevin. During the entire conference, we had the opportunity to answer a lot of questions for individuals that were curious and looking to execute Metaverse and other Web3 strategies within their organizations. Kevin and I shared a meal or two together, had a few drinks, and for sure had some engaging conversations. I can't wait to see Kevin again, hopefully on his home turf next time in California. If you'd like to reach out to me or the show, you can do so via everything social at Skip Kimple or everything at Constrata. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also visit our website at skipkimple.com for all of the archive shows going all the way back to episode number one. This includes all the show notes that will be posted there as well. You can also hear these new episodes on the Constrata website at constrata.io. And of course, you can email me at any point in time at skip.kimple at constrata.io. Next week is another jam-packed episode with yet another well-respected industry expert. I will keep it under wraps for now, which means you are going to have to tune in next Tuesday to find out who it is. 
Honestly, I can't believe this is the end of March already. So I guess I will see you on the flip side next week. Between now and then, remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. Stay hungry, my friends.